tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are alls in the fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers. This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. Hey, Polly. Hey, Alan. Welcome to Alls in the Family. You and I are brother and sister, and we created this podcast because we, in fact, have Alzheimer's in our family. That's right. Uh, So our mother, Carmen, was diagnosed with the disease in 2013, following a pretty rapid decline in her mental acuity. Um, And so for this first episode, which we are calling From Kids to Caregivers, we're going to tell you about our mother, specifically through the lens of her early symptoms and that moment when we knew we weren't just her kids anymore, we had to be our caretakers too. Uh, but before we do, let's introduce ourselves and share what we both individually and collectively hope to get out of starting this podcast. Yeah, so I'm Polly. I'm the oldest. I'm married. I've got two kids. And I have gone back to work. Um, and on top of all that, I'm the caretaker for our, our mom, along with my sisters and Alan. That's right. And so my goal for this podcast is to talk about when we first realized our mom was really on this Alzheimer's journey, losing her memory, and we didn't know what to do. So this story is about how we came together as a family to care for her and where we got the information we needed to do the right thing because we really didn't know what to do. We didn't have things figured out. Right, and I think there's so much from our journey as we think about the mental health freight train that uh, our country uh, in in the U.S. is on, as well as the entire world, the number of Alzheimer's and dementia-related cases are just predicted to continue to skyrocket between now and the year 2050. So I think part of our hope is, um, as other people who are in our, our age group, I'm in my Mid forties, you're you're older. Let's just say, but um, uh, our everyone's parents are going to be aging soon, and a lot of them are going to have uh, these types of illnesses. So, we created this podcast not only to commiserate in our own journey, but maybe there's some things that uh, we could say that might be useful for you um, as as a listener, whether uh, you're suffering from any sort of um, dementia or mental illness, or your um, kids that um, might be on the road to being caregivers as well. Yeah, right. So that's absolutely true because I remember when my mom first started getting sick, when our mom first started getting sick, it was such a great help if one other person would talk to me and tell me something they had seen in their grandmother or mother, um, any little tip. I remember early times when I'd be like, I think something's wrong with my mom. And a friend would say, oh, yeah, you know, my grandmother had that, and this is one thing that happened. So we're here to share. Absolutely. So uh, I'll introduce myself as well. So my name is Alan Fair, and I'm the not only the younger brother, but the youngest in the family of our siblings. Um, I'm also a parent. I have two kids, age 10 and 7, um, my wife and I both work, both have really wonderful careers that, uh, that we enjoy. So, um, being a caretaker is another layer of responsibility 
that um, that our whole family deals with and that I certainly deal with as well. Um, so when I got excited about the idea of starting this podcast, um, for me, I think the journey of dealing with a loved one with Alzheimer's is a lonely one. Uh, even for us who have each other, I think we have moments of loneliness. And Absolutely. so- what, what I hope to expand is a community for others out there who feel alone in their journey with Alzheimer's or other forms of mental health. We want this to be a place to hang um, and be with some people who share the same hopes and fears because we're right now we're looking at a future where there's no cure for this right now. Right. So let's be in it together. Um, and we hope to find people all over the world who want to share stories and, and listen and and go on this ride together and help find a cure. Absolutely. And I do think one of the biggest problems with Alzheimer's, some of the most profound victims are the caregivers who are stuck with social isolation, like you mentioned, um, loneliness. So yeah, we want to be a community for those people that are stuck. Agreed. Just listening to you say that, um, we really feel a connection with with other people that go through what we go through. Uh, be, being a caregiver is Absolutely. is just such um, an unsung, unnoticed act of courage to those who aren't on the radar. So I think this is a podcast not only for those that um, maybe suffer from the disease, um, but really for the caregivers and the soon-to-be caregivers. Yeah, yeah. Or for the people just seeing signs and wondering what's going on. Um, we really hope to just, you know, build a community and help each other. That's right. So let's talk about our mom a yeah. little bit. Her name's her name's Carmen. Um, and gosh, what a what a wonderful mom she is. And and unfortunately, I hate to say it this way, but what a wonderful mom she was. Yeah. Uh, tell us about her. Yeah. So mom. Um, she grew up in Puerto Rico and um, came to the United States just on a sightseeing trip got a job at the Inter-American Development Bank and, you know, built a whole new life. Um, as a mom, she was amazing when we were growing up. Um, she drove three kids to school every day for 12 years, picked us up. I never remember being late, you know, typical of 70s housewives, three meals a day, you know, and just wonderful. Um, she never couldn't do anything. Um, and she did a lot of it alone because our dad was often absent or perhaps angry in his later years. But uh, she was amazing. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure we'll go deeper on on dad's part <laughs> in this. But um, yeah. safe to say he was uh, largely out of the picture, um, certainly by the time I was born. Um, I'm almost 12 years younger than than Polly. So uh, I was born in 75 by 1980 that yeah. was kind of out of the out, out of the picture yeah. at that point. So so really we were we were raised by our our mom. We really were, especially you. I mean, I don't think you and even Tracy who's our younger sister who's 4 years younger than me saw many good times with uh dad. But mom, I mean, I never missed that. I never missed having a second parent around because mom really she did it all. I don't know how she did it being from the lens of being a mom now. Yeah. My biggest 
memory or when I try and articulate what, what try to crystallize what it is that I most appreciate about mom is that she was always present. That's um, exactly what I say. Yeah, she was just there in big ways and small ways. But it's amazing that at a time where there were no answering machines or um, cell phones, it seemed like I could call her and she was just always there. If in person, she was always present and there. Sure. Well, even after you had gotten married, um, I was still, I was maybe 11 or so when, uh, when you got married. So still pretty young. Um, and so by the time I was a teenager, it was just mom and I growing up and, uh, every day she would make dinner, um, would sit, uh, and, eat with me while I ate. I don't think as, as a teenager, you appreciate how much it's, it, it's a gift that your parent is just there and right. wants to hang out with you. And, and by that time, it was after working a full-time job, driving a sort of hellish commute to and from to get you back and forth to where you needed to go. Um, yeah, it's pretty right. amazing. You appreciate it when you get older, don't you? When you're kids. You really do. And I, another thing that I really appreciate about mom, which in some ways may have contributed to Alzheimer's, is that when mom and dad's marriage didn't work out, she didn't seem to have any interest whatsoever in starting a new social life, a new a new dating life. She really went full on 100% in on raising her kids and and that's what she that's what she wanted and i think as a result she she had friends but i wouldn't describe her social life as robust and no, she devoted herself to her kids that's where she spent her time her energy later her grandkids um but there was no dating scene for her. There was no making new friends except at work, um, really. Right. So it, throughout many episodes, we'll we'll talk about mom and the type of person she was, but uh, a very present, great mother. And so let's talk about um, what we pinpoint is maybe a little over 10 years ago and when things started to change a little bit. Yeah, so um, Tracy, uh, the youngest, the youngest of the sisters in our family, had um, she had a lake house uh, she had bought, and um, I think she bought that in probably two thousand and three to around then. And we would uh, we were traveling there as a family. In fact, we celebrated Mom's seventieth birthday there. Had a big party, all the family together, which was my mom's favorite thing to be with her, surrounded by her children and her, some of her grandkids at that point. And, um, right. so this would have been 2006. Mom was born in 1936 yeah. and she just turned 84, uh, a few days ago. We celebrated right. yeah. her 84th birthday yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. So we, um, so we went down, we had a great party. We had her favorite coconut cake and then, a year later, she had no recollection that Tracy, she'd ever been there. Um, a couple months after that, we mentioned going again, and she said, Tracy has a lake house. And then Alan had a child, um, Marco, who we all love, and we 
visited, um, I took my mom to visit in New York and there was a new baby to see. She was thrilled. She held him. She loved him. We, she heard stories about him every day. And then when Alan was coming to visit, she just completely blew him off. It was, Alan showed up at her house after a long drive and uh, she wasn't there after talking to her and planning it for weeks. Right. And uh, I knew at the time that there's no way she would miss a chance to see her son and her grandson. But he was, you know, I think, Alan, you had a different perspective. I, I, I did. It's, it's amazing because I grew up being the youngest, so there are four of us siblings um, who I predict um, everyone will get to know over time. Uh, who listens to this podcast. Um, but I'm glad we can edit because I want to think about this. So, so yeah, that, that incident really sticks out to me too because as the youngest sibling, I got to watch my older siblings and being um, 12, 10, and 8 years younger, I got to see all of your cycle of life milestones happen and assume that those milestones would be similar for my own. I saw all three of you get married. Oh, one day I'll get married. Um, I saw all three of you become parents. Oh, one day I'll be a parent. And I saw mom's relationship to all of these things as well. So mom was an absolutely wonderful grandmother, uh, still is, to, uh, to all of our kids. And mom was very involved when uh, your kids were first born as well. Absolutely. When, uh, when my kids were born, I was working, and mom retired from her job and cared for my kids uh, while I was at work. But she was so much more than that. I would often come and home and find her dancing with Alex and carrying Jack around, my young kids at the time, and um, so involved and would never miss a thing, not a birthday party, not a any small, tiny event, lost a first tooth. She traveled to the beach with us often to hang out and just enjoy the kids and teach them how much fun the beach could be. Um, but she started to lose her ability to really care for the kids. And uh, I think we eventually talked to Alan about that. Like, I don't think she can take care of your kids which must have really been difficult for you, Alan. Sure. Because- so so being the youngest and watching her be a grandmother to this first wave of right. grandchildren um, before my kids, uh, just such a wonderful grandmother. You know, I, I described if I had to crystallize her as a mother, it was her presence. If I had to just crystallize a description of her as a grandmother – just constant love. I mean, if there's anything she wants our kids, her grandchildren to know is how much she loves them. It's even now. Love and joy. Joy at the simple things, really. I mean, just- Just enjoyed the hell out of of these kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So by the time my kids came around, so you're, so Alex is what, 23? She's 24 now. 24, okay. So my son, my oldest son, Marcos, is- is 10 and a half, and my daughter Ava is seven. Um, so Polly's two kids are the oldest of the children in our family. 
and mine are the and mine are the youngest, and so the difference is uh, fourteen years apart. Um, from but in the space of those fourteen years, mom went from someone who could do everything, could drive and from her house to my house almost every day, to being unable to remember to keep an appointment with the people she loved the most. Not right. an appointment, but a, a visit. So here I am, I'm a new parent, and my experience with my mother as a grandmother has been through her other grandkids, and I'm so excited for my firstborn son to receive the same kind of love and attention that I saw the other grandkids get. So in this particular incident, when I got to her house and the idea was that Marcos was going to stay overnight at her house... And, you know, and I'm sure for anyone that has kids, the idea of, oh, my gosh, overnight at grandma's. So yeah, much fun. How yeah. how great for the grandchild, but also for the parents that get a little time right. alone, too. I right. mean, that's. Oh, the, my kids had enjoyed that. And our sister's kids had enjoyed that. Everybody wins. And it was time for, for Marco to come and have fun, too. Sure. So I pull up in her driveway and her car is not there. She's not there. House and is locked. And house you're is there with locked. your young son. That's right. The locks changed years after I had had moved out. I I didn't have a key and I couldn't reach her. I mean, she had a cell phone at the She may not have had a cell phone at that time. Yeah, she was. She did. It turns out she went to get her hair done and uh, drove herself and she was still able to do that, but completely forgot that she chose the exact hour and time that you were coming into town. Right. And and so this is one of my first, a, a catalyst to one of my first learnings about uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. The way I felt about this was, was a betrayal on, oh, uh, yeah. on mom's part. Uh, Mom, how, how could you? What is, is it because I, I'm the one that moved out of the area where we grew up? Am I the black sheep of the family? It felt like she loved my kid less than than the other grandchildren. So, you know, a really deep type of hurt right. that I, think I felt. Mom really felt the loss of her kids when they went away anyway and the loss of being close to her grandkids. And so I think uh, perhaps you interpreted that as she was angry at you. But um, what I saw was that she wasn't angry at you. She was feeling that loss and would have definitely been there for you if she'd realized it. So that was a big moment when I think both of us eventually for you, but at the time I thought there's something really wrong with mom. There's no way she would miss Alan. There's no way she would miss a chance to hang out with any one of her grandkids for, for one minute. She would have, she would have made sure she was there. Right. So something that I also think we'll talk about in future episodes is that my father-in-law has dementia as well and, and his own, has only really begun to manifest in, in recent years. So I have just a little bit of, for lack of a better word, wisdom and experience in this. Right. And, and I see the impatience and resentment um, that that side of my family is going through as they learn to cope with it. And and that's exactly how I felt. I felt angry and resentful how, that my mom could have forgotten this important date sure. where we were coming to visit and she was going to uh, have an overnight visit with, um, with Marco. Um, and 
And so a big learning from that, what I now know is people with dementia, they they're losing these these neurons in their in their brain and it, and unfortunately it's a manifestation of the disease that it's really hard at first when you don't understand why it's happening to not take personally right um well i do think and we're going to talk about this in later episodes but uh the first sign in alzheimer's really is that loss of memory you don't start to see the confusion or some of the other signs until later, but that loss of short-term memory for things that are really important is shocking. And of course, if you told my mom at the time that she missed an, she missed something, an appointment or anything, she'd be like, no, that's not true. She couldn't, she didn't remember that she didn't remember. Right. So it's, it's tough. Any other incidents that come to mind? Um, yeah, so around this same time, when Marco was perhaps even younger, your grand, your child was even younger, um, mom got sick. She had a yeast infection, which apparently is common at that age, but we didn't know at the time because we didn't know anyone with that age. Um, and uh, went to the doctor and got some medicine to take and, and took this... Uh, Diflucan is the name of the medicine she took. And then she, I didn't even know she'd gone to the doctor. This wasn't something she was telling me, but she called me one day and said, something happened to my brain. I went crazy. I was outside in the street in my pajamas. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. My brain, something happened. And she continued for a couple weeks to say, this medicine I took took part of my brain. And it wasn't until years later talking to a primary care doctor with her when we were having her tested for Alzheimer's when she told the story and she didn't remember. She just said, oh, I took medicine that took part of my brain. Um, I told the doctor and she said that medicine can have an effect. Now, years later, I'm wondering if perhaps it was actually something she took for itching that did it because all like Benadryl can is known to cause confusion, agitation, and a kind of dementia in people who are older. Anyone, if you or I took it, it might start to bother us. Sure. Uh, worth mentioning is that we're not medical experts, so when not we say all. Benadryl's known to cause it, or 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 Diflucan, or any right. of these things, we were just expressing an opinion, and right. I don't think we are. Um, anti-drug uh, or pharmaceutical, nor are we, nor are we making any claims Not that this was the cause. We're just describing right. uh, stories with some details. Right, similar, similar to lots of medicines say, don't operate heavy machinery while you're taking them. This is the same kind of a thing. Right. It was just probably the state of mom's brain at the time okay. that she couldn't handle the medication, and we were not aware. Her doctor was not aware. This was very early on. But she kept saying, this medicine took my brain. It was, it was very a, dramatic. She could yeah. very dramatically articulate that I, I took this medicine and it's like something went off in my brain and I yeah. just don't know. And she, she told me a story during this, during this period. I, it's just like I was lying in bed and 
you know, I was hearing the sounds of the furnace, which in this old house built in 1969 where sure. we grew up, you, you could hear the sound of the furnace. And I remember being— But pointing out, since 1969, that furnace had been making that same sound. Right. <laughs> And and maybe even she could, even she knew that at the time, but now she was hearing things within yeah. it and was convinced there was someone in the house. So she she knew that something wasn't right in her in her brain. So right. there, it, I mean, and that's one of the um, saddest things is this awareness that something's not right. Um, and she was looking for something to blame it on, and she decided it had to have been the incident with the medicine, and. That is probably not the cause, but it was an effect probably of her uh, increasing dementia. All right. So we're going to be talking about this a lot, uh, specific elements about our mother's life and disease and figured in the final segment of our first episode. Let's talk a little bit about how our lives are different and how our families are different as a result of having Alzheimer's in our family. So how do you personally feel different and affected by mom's diagnosis, Polly? So I think when you're, when you get to the age that I was when, um, when mom was really starting to be affected by Alzheimer's, you're starting to see the finish line of the really um, busy, busy parts of your life. So your, my kids were heading off to college, or at least in high school, they were getting their driver's license. Uh, and suddenly, we, you know, you plan for your kids to go to college. Suddenly, we had no idea what to do about mom. She re- was clear that she couldn't stay by herself in that big house anymore. She couldn't really handle it. It was clear that she absolutely did not want to move out of her house Um And I really felt a sense of, for the first time in a long time, since maybe I had babies, I don't don't know what to do. Um, And this is where I really turned for strength to my family, um, to my sisters, my brother. And we had had family meetings. What are we going to do about mom? How are we going to, how are we going to take care of her? I was uh, driving well, probably an hour and 20 minutes or longer round trip to bring her food every day. Um, Sure. Or at least a few times a day. She couldn't really be alone. She wouldn't eat. We had to kind of take her car keys away from her, all that. So my, my life changed, and it's very socially isolating. Eventually, she came to live with me for a while. Um, and I remember when not one time, many times, thinking I need to take a shower. So I'd get mom all squared away, and I would run to jump in the shower. And when I came out, she was gone. Just right. had walked out the door. So right, changed. That's a symptom that she still has to this day. Just yesterday, we were at our sister Bonnie's house. Uh, yep. It was to celebrate mom's 84th birthday. And my two children were jumping on this trampoline that's in the backyard um, Giggling, along with another laughing. one of the grandsons. Yeah. And she just wanders off. Yeah, she does wandering, a typical Alzheimer's sign, but really she's she's still very healthy. You know, she can walk a long way. One time at my house, I came out of the shower, wet hair, threw on some clothes, and had to run down the street. I live in more of a city environment than she's used to. 
she was two miles away. And luckily, she had brought the phone by this point, the phone I got with her, and I had her wearing a watch that uh, could track where she was, and I was able to find her. But it took a while to catch up to her. I think that's something that she instinctively knows is that exercise is good for her brain. I think that she feels the benefit or there's still something in her body that's letting her know, I need to give my brain oxygen. I need to exercise my brain because she was always fairly healthy in diet, overall lifestyle. Again, she didn't, she didn't have a very robust social life. So she wasn't out exposed to a lot of elements, but as she got older, particularly after I graduated high school, I never, I never moved back home or into the area. A lot of walking that yeah. to this day, just. She um, always liked to walk. And I even remember when we were younger, she would put you in the stroller and walk around the neighborhood with some other friends. Um, and then as we all moved out, she was uh she would shovel the snow in her on her driveway as a big long driveway but she and i would say we'll come over and do that and she'd be like no i like it i like the ener- the exercise as she started fading into dementia she really um she really bought into walking all the time and she would kind of measure oh i walked up to the the entrance of our neighborhood five times today, and who knows how many times she really did. Um, and it also helped her sleep. She did, and I, th- I believe this is con- can be common with people with dementia, she had trouble sleeping a lot, and walking helped her. Yeah, that's right. Well, as I think about how I'm different, I've definitely gone on a journey over um, the last 10 years where now Every little memory slip that I have, I have this sort of fear of, oh, no, this is the beginning of my own end and and descent into it. Um, So I find myself really being passionate about all things mental health, including my own. Um, So it's, it's interesting. Mom did so many things right. She had a pretty good diet. She She uh, kept pretty uh, thin, would never, she's only overweight now as the result of. Not remembering she ate before, yeah. Sure. Um, I I really think, and again, something something to go deep on at another time, but if you remove the fact that she didn't continually stimulate her life with new, really interesting experiences, she really just made a choice to become a creature of habit and not travel a lot, not, not date anymore after the, the dissolution of her, her marriage and, and so forth. So sometimes I struggle with these moments where I'm like, geez, what, what more can I do? You know, I have my two tablespoons of coconut oil a day and, you know, eat eat my leafy greens and, you know, try and exercise as, as best as you can. But there's this, um, creeping fear that I have to manage and kind of keep track of and check in with myself. Yeah, absolutely. As the oldest, I feel that all the time. I think if if the next person to go in our family, I feel like it'll be me because I'm the <laughs> oldest. And hope not. Every, I know. I hope not, too. I'm doing all, everything I can, but it is... Um, it's not a comfort that we realize our mom did almost everything right. She didn't smoke. She 
wasn't obese in middle age or any of the risk factors, they say. She even, you might say she wasn't really social as, you know, going out with boyfriends or going out with girlfriends, but she was constantly involved with her family. I mean, I talked to her on the phone every day when she could still talk on the phone. Um, always a part of our lives uh, and the neighborhood she lived in. Very true. So. Well, I think we've just made our first episode of All's in the Fam, Polly. All right. That's awesome. How do you think hope, we did? I think we did okay. Yeah. Um, you better than me. Well, but. no. I, I, I think we'll only get better. Yep. Okay. Thanks for listening to All's in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at All's in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are Alls in the Family. Talk soon. <laughs>